0: Transformational truth number one. A leader who doesn't know he's already approved will spend all of his time trying to prove himself. And a leader who's always trying to prove himself can never be himself. Welcome to the Transformational Truth Podcast, where we're committed to eliminating the obstacles that take the joy out of life and leadership. Hey everybody, welcome to the very first episode of Transformational Truth. We are so thankful that you're joining us on this journey. Listen, in today's inaugural episode, we're going to welcome Phil Muncie. Phil has been leading leader since 1976, and after founding and pastoring a thriving church in Orange County, California with his wife, Jeannie, uh, their mandate now is to pastor pastors. It is to shepherd shepherds and lead leaders. Phil is actually the chairman of Champion Network with over 500 churches. That is a ministry of Joel Osteen and Lakewood Church. And Phil is committed to helping small churches with big vision. And today, Phil is going to help us with our very first Transformational Truth. So let's get started. Okay, everybody, welcome to Transformational Truths. We're excited today to have a really special guest, a friend, uh, a great leader, uh, a man of great character and integrity, uh, Phil Muncy. Um, And here's the transformational truth today that we're going to use sort of to launch off um, for every leader pastor that's listening today. Here it is. A leader who doesn't know he's already approved will spend all of his time trying to prove himself. And a leader who's always trying to prove himself can never be himself. And so it is a point that deals with our authenticity. Um, Phil, it it seems like there's never been a greater temptation for a leader to compare. And to sort of fall into this comparison trap, you know, it it feels like uh, we live in this world of Instagram and TikToks, you know, and. Um, I think in the realm of leadership, it's really easy to, rather than be our authentic self, who we were created to be, um, this comparison game, if you will, is robbing leaders of their, of their potential, just being their own unique self, uh, their own unique, finding their own unique voice. Um, could you maybe just take a minute and just share your heart and and speak to the importance of authenticity?
1: Thank you, Travis. Great to be with you. And I love the, the show that, uh. And passion that you have in your heart to help bring transformational truth, uh, and that's 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 the big big headline right now of 2020. I think we started all out with uh, this is going to be the year of vision, the year of double double, the year of of revelation, the year of of revival, the year. And you know, all of the above is true. But what we don't realize is is that uh, for that to engage, for that to really happen. Uh, transformation has to happen in our thinking. We we can't think the same way and expect results. Right. And so, you know, uh, in the book of Acts, Acts eight one through three are probably three of the most horrific scriptures you could read in the book of Acts. It's basically saying that this terrorist by the name of Saul uh, destroyed the church, taking men and women, dragging them out of their home, putting them in prison. And everyone except for the apostles uh, spread and, and left Jerusalem. Well, you know, in real time, that's that's like a COVID. That's like what we've been going through. But in historic time, looking back with a perspective, everything changed. Christianity went from a small group of Jewish believers to worldwide dominance uh, right. for 2,000 years in one way or the other. And so transformation is what is happening. Actually, 2020, will will look back and say it was the year of transformation. It was the year that we got uh, our act together. It was the year God aligned everything properly. And history is going to show what a phenomenal year this was. But it, it's all embedded in uh, why I love what you're doing with these podcasts, transformational truths. Mm-hmm. And And today, Uh, you have posed, I think, one of the most important uh, truths. And that is that a pastor must know what they value and a pastor must know their own value. Mm. And these two things are crucial because if a pastor is always trying to prove himself, uh, he's going to spend all of his time basically eating up a lot of his energy and calling trying to be something he never was. And right. this is what's so uh, vital. And, uh, and, you know, so my heart right now, uh, pastor, is to see pastors get uh, their unique voice back. As right, right. So, you know, how do we start addressing this? Uh, how do I deal with this cancer comparison uh, that's killing us? Um, it starts with, knowing that you are called knowing that you are uniquely called knowing that there is no one you're competing with except the person you were yesterday Mm. that at the end of your race it's not going to be did you beat this person that person did you get there quicker faster you're the only one running your race you're the only one that's going to be rewarded for that race it's your race his grace And that needs to be so important. And then all of these statistics that have been manipulating and all of these, this obsession, which I call numb and number, uh, that has destroyed (laughs) past. Right. This this is all going to go away. I mean, just like that, you you know, we, we've all been looking and saying, man, how are we going to stop this madness that's happened to the church? Well, it stopped. It's over. Uh, Right now, uh, most people know I work uh, with Pastor Joel Osteen and Lakewood Church. Pastor Joel is preaching to the same amount of people live as everyone, less than 30 people. Right. <laughs> so all of a sudden, everybody, you know, that bi-vocational pastor that's, what, that's listening right now that, you know, works a full-time job and another full-time job pastoring and has 30 or 40 people. Well, you and Pastor Joe are preaching to the same amount of live people. So, you know, immediately everything changed. So now that it's changed, what are we going to go back to? What are we going to be different? the most important thing a pastor must have that transformational truth and that is i know my value i know who i am i know who i'm not and that god's grace for me is the standard that i'm living up to and the standard that's getting to me getting me where i need to go so this is a valuable truth uh competition comparison yes these things um, are really fading away. And the first thing I can say to every pastor, and that is no more comparison. No, when the lights come back on and the church gets back in rhythm, we're not right. going back to that. I, and I, I want to be so bold to say this. I, I, You may have to edit this. But <laughs> top 100 churches, the fastest growing churches, all of that stuff, that's old wineskin. We're not come going on. back to that. Come we're on, not Phil. going back to that. That's number one. We've got nothing to prove, but how can we best uh, release and manifest our uniqueness that uh, no one can compare to?
0: That's, that is gold, Phil. Wow. Listen, <laughs> um, you just said so much. Um, I discovered something when you were talking about the effects that we're currently having with COVID and the, the impact on the church. And I've discovered that um, if 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 we were having identity conflict before this crisis, uh, we a lot of guys went into identity crisis from identity conflict because uh, unintentionally, unknowingly, I think the temptation for leaders, especially leaders in ministry, is to tie all of our identity up in the numbers you just talked about. Your Sunday morning attendance, you know, who's sitting in the seats. you know, all of the metrics that we're told that you're supposed to measure and the temptation slowly to tie who you are up in that rather than tying it strictly in in Christ, your identities in Christ. Suddenly we're all faced with the reality that if I tie my identity to what I do rather than who Christ is, well, in the middle of COVID, when you're looking at, you know, a handful of, of faces looking back as you're preaching, well, I'll tell you what, you know, all of a sudden you're asking the question, well, who am I? And and my prayer is that this is a time of great healing and restoration, uh, to borrow your words. We can't go back to that uh, because the comparison and competition produces a form of cancer in the body of Christ. And it's keeping us separated rather than coming together. Now, how important, Phil, is it? Because now more than ever, people are trying to, They I think people are hungry for answers. I think they're looking for truth. I think the church still has it. But the importance of finding your authentic voice, you mentioned that earlier, your authentic voice, knowing who you are and being able to speak from that because people are listening and God already has a Phil Muncy. God already has Travis Hall. God already has, you know, uh, a Stephen Furtick, a TD Jakes. God already has these people. Right. Could you talk to us for a minute about the importance in this season of finding your voice and being okay with who you are?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, You know, of course, most that are listening to this are pastors or leaders, and uh, uh, one of the great places that you can really uh, dive into is uh, first chapter, second chapter, actually the first chapter of the book of John, when John the Baptist is being challenged by the religious leaders and they ask him five questions. And, and so let me just use that as a frame of reference. So those of you that are listening, you have the, a Bible, you can do this. So the very first thing that happens is that these Pharisees, they challenge John and they ask him point blank, who are you? Now, this is the first question every pastor has to listen. And that is, who are you? And this is where you have to just take an evaluation of your gifts and, and ask yourself, Who am I? And be comfortable with being able to to understand that. And right on the tail comes the second most important question, and that is, uh, who are you not? Uh, Mm -hmm. They said, who are you? And are you the Christ? Are you the Messiah? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. The greatest thing a pastor can say is, this is who I am. And equally importantly, this is who I'm not.
0: Wow, that's so good.
1: Uh, and then this, the third question was, is also very interesting. They said, we're going to go back to our leaders. Who do you say that you are? Now, this is important because not only do you know, need to know who you are, but you need to know who you're not, but you need to also know how to articulate who you are. In other words, you know, right. in the secular world, they call it, uh, what's your elevator pitch? You know, if you get in an elevator, you got right. 90 seconds with someone that's got all the resources that you would ever need, all, all the relationship connections you need. What are you going to tell right. that person? You got 90 seconds. We need to own that. We need right. to be able to say, this is who I am. This is who I'm not. And this is how I articulate this. Now, that's awkward and can also be very intimidating. And quite frankly, you know, when I talk to pastors and I say, who are you and who are you not? Talk to me. They fumble. They stumble. That's okay, but you gotta work through that because you have to own that. And then, you know, uh, you know, that these are these are important questions that we ask. So and as a pastor, uh, and let me let me backtrack just a little bit, Travis, and say something that's very important in finding your voice. Yes. Uh, yeah. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna strike a chord that is very dear and you're gonna have to hold me back because I'm gonna be like a fire hydrant. Come on. Um, there has been a subtle shift from pastoring to becoming leaders, and then leadership has now, in the last decade, basically eclipsed the the heart of a pastor shepherd. Now, uh, there's two things that that's a challenge to us. Leadership is excellent. Leadership makes everything better. But leadership alone is divisive. Leadership on itself is, uh, is a disruptor. Leadership alone will not, in fact, it can make the church better, but it should not be uh, the central theme of what drives a pastor. Right. Now, to make it even more complicated, we've taken the ideal of leadership which is one of the seven passion gifts of Romans 12. And we've made it the primary to complicate it a little bit more is that we've taken the leadership of the world, the secular corporate culture leadership. That's right. yeah. And we have brought right. it into the church. Now we're trying to lead the church using corporate leadership culture and bring it into the church. Two problems with that. Corporate leadership culture doesn't build community. In fact, That's the leadership right. culture of, of, of corporate America is divisive. It divides people. It, it continues to separate. So that right in itself is a virus wow. that works against us. Number two, leadership in itself is a subtle divider. In other words, uh, imagine this is what pastors do now. We're building leadership in our church. So immediately you divide your church in half. All of the leaders, you're on this side of the church. The other uh, followers, you're on the other. No, the church is not divided between leaders and followers. That Mm -hmm. paradigm in itself is divisive. So we have to change. No, we're all valuable and we all have different places. So we have to subtly recognize we've been using the wrong language to build community. This is why most churches, they struggle to build small group ministries. Well, that's so Sheep love to herd. If we could create a more culture of sheep versus, quote, leadership, herding would be much more natural. That's so so good. We have to uh, analyze the ideal. So let's go back to saying, look, leadership is a gift that enhances shepherding. Right. The heart of a pastor I right. said a word that has a bad connection, which is so unfortunate. But to be a shepherd, this is why even in, 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 in politics, uh, shepherding, politics is not going to heal this nation. That's right. Regardless of what side you're on, uh, leadership is not the solution right now. You know what the solution is? Pastors. Mm. We're healers. The That's heart right. of a shepherd is the only way this nation's going to get healed. And this is when the lights go back on after this whole shutdown and all of this uh, social distancing and the masks are removed. Let me tell you what's going to heal this, this nation. It's going to be the heart of a pastor. Mm. Travis, think about this and you're going to have to stop me in a moment because <laughs> this you're on is a inside me. Before God created the heavens and the earth, before he created mankind, before God did anything, before the foundation of the world, there was a slain lamb. Wow. Where there was a lamb, there was a shepherd. Before anything, God was a shepherd. He saw man as a lamb. That relationship between a shepherd and a lamb is the paradigm we must embrace. It is the foundation to the way God interacts with mankind. Not leadership, not structure, not Mm. system. Show me a shepherd and I will show you this. I say this to pastors all the time. When a shepherd finds his voice, the sheep will find you. Mm. And this is is the passion that I have. The transformational truth is if you find your voice, then you're not competing against anybody. Come Let me on. tell you, when people see sheep are listening for a voice, when they right. hear that, voice, that's right. Ninety-nine churches to get there. That's see, right. Here's the most, the most profound mystery of building church. I don't care how big or how small here's how a church is built. And and when I say this, every pastor is going to nod their head. How many times have you heard this story? Yeah, pastor, we love this church. When we came, the first time we came, when we drove up in the parking lot, or yeah. when we walked into the lobby, or, right. when we heard the first song, we knew we had found home. Now, that's impossible. You didn't even hear the pastor. Right. And didn't even read the, what they believed. Uh, right. Sure. You know why? Because the, the mystery of they heard a sound. They heard the mm. sound of the pastor. They heard the voice within a voice, and they knew they had found home. Wow! So my pastors are scraping for structure and systems, right. trying to come up with vision. We've got a vision. I want to say this. People right now, especially now more than ever, because everybody's been watching church from online, Now, people are not looking for a church that has a vision. I'm going to prophesy that. I'm going to say that. They're looking for a church that has values values they can agree with, values that match the voice that they hear resonating from their pastor. I'm going to tell you now more than ever people don't care how many campuses you have, right? right. They don't care how big you are, they want to know. What are your values and do they match my values? And I'm going to tell you something. It won't matter if you've got 30 people or 30,000 people. The only thing they're looking for is do your values match my values? Right. I hear my shepherd's voice, the chief shepherd in your voice. Right. This can only come when you don't have any anxiety of, of, trying to prove who you are to somebody that tension will cause your voice to not be heard the transformational Mm. truth is i need to be at peace with who i am who i'm not know how to articulate that and and walk in that transformational truth Mm. um
0: phil this is gold um Your your observations about leadership, I want to talk about that for a second because I just, before we started this podcast, I was having a conversation with someone else in ministry and um, I made the statement. I said, we in the church world are drunk on leadership. We've become intoxicated with leadership. We're drunk on it. And we're staggering around with these leadership principles and struggling. And so many of my peers and pastors are tired and they're weary and yeah. they're, they're, they're on the verge of burnout. They're, they wrestle daily with thoughts of quitting um, many times because we have adopted a model of leadership that's great at equipping people with skills, but has never drilled down to the core of who right. you are this is who you are. If you take all the skills away, the preaching skills and uh, people skills and team building skills and administrative skills, all good, um, all, all important, but not the most important. And we've, right. I think we've released a lot of leaders in a ministry and set them up to fail in this sense because we've taught skills, but we've never helped them discover this is the core of who you are in Christ. This is the foundation of who you are. And so a lot of guys are that's looking right. for their voices and they're tired because that's we've right. adopted a model of leadership that really it was not the model of leadership that Christ died to get us.
1: No, he, that's right.
0: He offers that's us a different model of leadership. Talk, speak to that. for just. A
1: yeah, I, I, I do. Thank you. And first of all, I'm, I'm a proponent of leadership, but leadership enhances your calling. Like right. If you lose your calling, leadership alone, uh, for the sake of leadership, you know, we, you talked about the cancer. We use the analogy of the cancer of comparison. Well, yes. cancer, uh, the whole idea of cancer is cancer is a growth. It right. grows, it grows with no purpose. In fact, its growth, uh, essentially kills itself. And so leaders and growth for alone in itself is self-destructive, mm. uh, uh, and so you have to say what's at the core, what I'm leading, where our culture has celebrated driven people. If you're driven, you will get the attention. You will get the numbers, right. you will get staff, but somebody needs to open up the hood and find out what's driving you. Because if it's coming from a dark place, hmm. um, it, it it's not going to end well. So here's where pastors are burning out. And that is, God called them to be shepherds. Right. Most of us can go back to the time we were called. We wept. We some of That's us right. fought the call. We were at the altar saying, "God, I want to be whatever." And at that point, you didn't sign up to be the biggest, the largest. You didn't right. sign up to be. Uh, and, and and people can argue the semantics of shepherd, our leader. Let me tell you, I've studied it and blah, blah, blah. But here's, here's the greatest thing you could ask yourself. And pastors, you can ask yourself too. Although you could ask your, your members this. Take the greatest leader in our country, corporate leader, whoever it may be, Apple, whatever corporation. Take the greatest CEO, the greatest leader in your mind in this country and ask yourself, would you want them to be your pastor? Wow. And you say, oh, no, exactly. That's the difference between a leader and a shepherd. So if you want to study the words, you can. But the difference right there at the heart, Right, that's no, right. I don't want the CEO of the top number one or number two company in the world to be my pastor. That's what I'm trying to distinguish to pastors. So good. Leadership is good. It enhances what? Your shepherd's heart. And during this time, uh, what's happening is God anointed you to be a shepherd. He didn't anoint you to be a leader. Now, leadership is good, but your your anointing is to be a shepherd. If you walk from that, you're not going to be graced. So you're going to burn out. Go back to your shepherd's heart. Can you do what you do for one? This is what Jesus was teaching us when he went for the one. What was he saying at the end of the day? If I get one like on my post, if I only help one person with my sermon, if I only rescue one family, that's good enough. Now, You have to have that in your core. If you don't, you will beat yourself up Sunday after Sunday. The numbers are down. You know, there's less people. Look, if that drives you, you're going to go somewhere you're not going to like when you get done. Mm -hmm. Believe me, I'm 45 years full-time ministry, 64 years, all I've ever known is church and pastors. I have been privileged to interview over 2,000 people. Most of them are celebrities, are are leaders and pastors. Let me tell you, you don't want, the air is thin on the top of people that have been rewarded for their drive, but no one's ever looked under the hood to see what's driving them. Wow. So today, I wanna tell you the transformational truth for you is, you got nothing to prove to nobody but the god who called you. He's the one you answer to. And he's the most rewarding person to work for because at the end of the day he's not going to judge you by your numbers, he's not going to judge you by right. your stats, he's not going to judge That's you, right. no, he's going to judge you by your heart. Yep. And That's right. you can't enjoy pastoring 30 people. Trust me. I I am a part of the largest church in the history of this country. If you think numbers are going to fulfill your heart, please believe me when I tell you, Hmm. I have friends who have thousands of people in their church. They are miserable. Hmm. they They are trapped. My friend, the transformational truth for you today is you got nothing to prove except to one person and that's to your master, who you stand in fall. And if you can own that, you will find your unique voice. Mm. And when you're at peace with that, here's the kicker: paradoxically, when you don't care about the numbers, that's it. But you yep. care about the hearts of the people. That's the it. The people will beat a path to your church, just like they did John the Baptist.
0: Mm. He
1: knew who he was when he knew who he wasn't. And he stayed in his lane. He could not keep the people from coming. So please, pastors, today, Travis, first of all, thank you for doing this. This is so crucial because there's no going back. You know, Travis, what most people don't realize is after Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says the veil was rent in that's right. Yeah. Talk to them. Speak to them. Yeah. Do you know? that within just a few days, they sewed it back up and they went back to animal sacrifices. Even Paul was forced to offer turtle doves, shave his head so that the Jewish church would accept him after he had been with the Gentiles. Friends, don't go back. Don't go back to the old Jew. that yourself up every Monday don't go back to the old you that was miserable don't go back to that god has already proven that he'll take care of you financially who right. have ever thought we could shut down our churches and still survive that's god saying i'll take care of you right don't sew up the curtain and go back to the law of numbers and competition. And I'm nobody if I don't have more than 500 people to come to my church. Friend, go to bed at night knowing you have done God's will. That's all that matters. Ironically, paradoxically, people will sense your peace. That's right. They will beat a path because this is what they themselves want. They want to be at peace with who they are. They don't want to be judged by their car, by their income, by their weight, by how they look. Certainly, they don't want to come into an atmosphere that the pastor's judging himself by those things. No. They want to come where a shepherd is at peace in their heart because that's what they want in their heart.
0: Mm, wow. Oh, <laughs> uh, Phil, that is some freeing truth. Wow. Wow. Um, you just mentioned something i've i've read you i've read some things you've you've posted on social media i've heard you speak to these points before uh which is one of the reasons i wanted you to come on transformational truth because i know i knew this would happen you would share truths that would resonate in the hearts of leaders and pastors listen um one of the reasons i launched transformational truth was to help pastors and leaders rediscover a paradigm of of leading that will restore the joy and restore the peace back to the journey, back to their calling, and you're you're ta- you're, you're tackling all of this. Um, uh, I've heard different guys talk about this uh, different ways, and I'll back up to submit and say, never before have I been so convinced that understanding what Christ accomplished on the cross um, as a as a pastor is so important. Um, our our theology around that, understanding the God of covenants and how He relates to us. And I've heard different leaders reference this different ways. I've heard some guys talk about gospel-centered, you know, pastoring or leadership, or new covenant models of leading, et cetera. But you describe this in a unique way, and I've never heard anyone else describe it this way, but it's a way that related to me and resonated in my heart. And you posed the question, Are you living or are you leading from the right side of the cross? That is an important important, vital statement, because I can tell you from personal experience, there was a time in my life I wasn't, I wasn't pastoring from the right side of the cross. I wasn't leading my family from the right side of the cross. I, I wasn't even relating to God from the right side of the cross necessarily. And it was robbing me of the joys of the call. It was robbing me of the joys of, of uh, uh, being a parent. Um, it was robbing my wife and I from the greatest version of our marriage that we could have had. And today on the other side of making that discovery, of of the veil that, that we've heard it preached many times, but the nuances of going back that you just described, in my opinion, fuels a lot of the fatigue that we see in some of our leaders. Could you just take a few minutes and just talk about that concept of living and leading from the right side of the cross?
1: No, I, I, I thank you for that. And uh, just, just to give the backstory of my life, I uh, I was raised, uh, in a very, uh, in a Pentecostal culture, uh, very strict, very legalistic. Um, uh, and so, um, I, I've been able to be transformed. Uh, the happiness that I have is that I still embrace the core values of my right. Pentecostal heritage. I, right. I, I love uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I, right. I love worship. I love the gifts of the Spirit. I I covet to prophesy. I I love the supernatural. I, I'm comfortable with all of that. Uh, but you know, years ago, Ford bought Jaguar, and Jaguar had a lot of problems with repair and all that. And their their marketing was we we took all the things you like, and the rest is history. Well, that's kind of what I did. <laughs> I went with information and. Uh, and so, but, so from a theological standpoint, this is what shifted everything for me, and that is that the Bible is not divided between the Old Testament and the New Testament, in my opinion. This is, I'm going to just give this to you as pastors. I don't accept, ex, expect you to accept this, but I do expect you to challenge yourself with this. The, the Bible is divided between what happened before the cross and after the cross. And the cross includes everything, death, burial, and resurrection. So we know the cross itself, there still had to be a resurrection. So when we say cross, we're talking about the whole death, burial, and resurrection. And so you have to read the Bible that way, including the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and even parts of Acts. You have to understand that there was a 40 year gap between Calvary and the temple being destroyed. You have to understand that Jesus lived under the old covenant. So everything has to run through the cross. You have to look, I call it, have it cross checked. So when you go back in the old Testament, when you go even into Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and even the teachings of Jesus, you have to bring them to the cross, lay them down at the cross, walk through around the cross and say how can i bring this into the new covenant do i have permission and do i have a cross perspective on this this is so important vital because vital. jesus could not uh, and, and and let me give you well here we go so vital go ahead phil we, this is what we mean let me give you the most uh startling revelation about the cross that you, you you cannot possibly accept this pastor but you need to challenge yourself to try to understand what i'm about to say why would jesus say to people you cannot be my disciple unless you take up your cross and follow me let me let me ask you this question he had not taken his cross so what was he saying when he said deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me He had not taken his his cross. So it must have been prophetic. What was he saying? The word deny yourself, deny yourself. Is that a word that they understood? Well, one day I took that and I put deny yourself in my concordance. And And I asked everywhere in the Bible where you deny yourself was in the Bible. And you know what I found? It's in the Old Testament multiple times. I thought, well, really, and here's where it is, and it's mentioned 12 times. Deny yourself from working on the Sabbath. Deny yourself from working. You must not work on the Sabbath. You must deny yourself from the urge to work on the Sabbath. So when Jesus said to them, deny yourself and take up my cross, he was saying, you no longer are going to work for your salvation. You no longer are going to work in order to please God. He's saying, you're going to take my cross. And by doing that, you're saying, no longer am I going to work to please God. That was a cross most of the first century Jewish believers were not willing to follow. Yes. And today, the hardest thing for pastors is to accept that God loves you, He called you not yes. according to your works, but according to the grace and calling He gave you before, before time began, you're already approved. Yes, got nothing to prove to God. And if God loves you, and if He's not counting your stats or statistics, if He's not measuring you according to your works then you can be at peace with yourself. This is what we mean. Because let me tell you, too many of us preachers, I can tell you this. I was mean. In my heart, I was hardened. In my heart, I was hurt. Even when I preached a message, and I'm just, you know, if I was to preach a message about how to be happy, my first line would be, some of you people, you're so miserable. You look like you ate, you know, a uh, sour lemonade or whatever. Even in my trying to help people understand right. Christ, I was mean about it. Oh, when I came to the cross, when I started viewing everything that I wouldn't preach from the Old Testament without standing in front of the cross and yes. saying, Christ How should I now preach this? Yes. Now that you died on the cross? That's it. Now that you shed your blood? Now that your grace has been released? Give me the permission or the perspective to preach it from the right side of the cross. Live from that place. You see, Jesus gave us a tiny hint about our hearts. He said, what you judge in others is what you need yourself to look at. Mm. Too many preachers are preaching against sin. They're preaching not really against sin. They're preaching from their own condemnation. That's right. Their own shame. That's right. You see, most of us, and I'm saying us to as pastors, we That's have to right. be careful. We have the wrong definition of sin. Sin means to miss the mark. Most of the time when we're preaching against sin, we're preaching against the symptoms of sin. If people are fornicating, committing adultery, lying, stealing, doing these things, these are the symptoms of someone that is off target. That's right. You know where they're off target? They've never come to understand the cross. Hmm. Because from a place of understanding grace, that's where the transformation takes place. All people say, oh, you preach grace, people do whatever they want. No, if you preach grace, It's the only thing that transforms people's behavior. Guilt and law and shame have never transformed anyone. That's right. And so, you know, pastors, let me tell you today, go to the cross, embrace it. See everything through the lens of the cross. Go back to all of your notes and ask yourself, did I get this cross checked? Hmm. And then preach it. If you'll do that, the message of the cross, I will tell you this coming from someone who has watched two and a half million people come to Christ. The cross is not offensive to sinners.
0: Wow. Oh my goodness. This is rich Phil. We are, uh, we are coming up on our, our, our time schedule. Um, is time is running out, but it was so rich. Um, I want to just say a couple of things on that. What you just said is so important. I think um, before I, let me just say before I come into the understanding of the new covenant and the new covenant of grace, um, I, I preached a covenant, a mixture covenant, and it wasn't cross check. And I found that the condemnation that was on me was often um, it would come through my preaching and it would come through the way I related to people. But I think sometimes when you have that conversation, and I just want to clear this up for everyone that's listening. Uh, when we talk about old and new covenants, you know, the new covenant didn't begin in Matthew one, it began at the cross, as you already pointed out. Um, but we're not saying that the old Testament doesn't matter. Cause sometimes I hear guys say, Oh, you're throwing away the old Testament. Not at all. It's, it's still the inspired word of God. We're just saying we're rightly dividing. We understand that, I understand now. The Old Testament was Christ concealed, and the New Testament is Christ revealed. And I'm looking
1: for Jesus in both. Exactly, exactly and so both. it's a it's a it's a perspective. You get a new perspective. Yes, exactly right. It. Uh, it, it it in every way. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it and and so it's not you know it's not eliminating. It's elevating. Yes. You don't eliminate the old.
0: That's exactly covenant. right.
1: You elevate it to its place. I mean, you clearly see. Let me just say this from a theological standpoint. Every pastor who really wants to understand the gospel should embrace the, the 13 chapters of Hebrews. Own That's it. That's right. Own, Own it. it. That's right. Because uh, Hebrews is basically the, what we would call the book of revelation of the old covenant. In other mm-hmm. words, the word end is in hebrews more than any book in the bible wow. hebrews is trying to explain it's basically the old testament it's the reader's digest version of the old testament everything you need to understand about the old testament is in hebrews and it's basically explaining this is how you take the old and bring it into the new Incredible. If you can own it then you'll come to fall in love with Jesus and recognize that Jesus is in fact, you know, the old Testament revealed, but Travis, I want to say this and I I hope that, you know, I know our time is gone and and I hope that you'll edit some of this and, and uh, because I value our pastor's time, but I want to say this from my heart, Travis, first of all, I bless what you're doing. This transformational truth podcast, is going to find life. It's going to be transformational for so many pastors. Mm -hmm. Pastors, if you've given me the privilege to listen to me, I want to just tell you, don't go back to the old you. This is now your time to say, God, let me step into the future uh, with a new fresh revelation of who I am. And if you'll do that, And Travis can help you. Listen to him. He's walked this path. Travis, I'm going to say to you, you have a map in your hands. God Mm. has brought you from one place to this where you are now. You are going to help hundreds and hundreds of pastors Mm. that were where you were at want to get to where you are now. And you're going to help them do that. And uh, I love your heart. Because, you know, when you get a revelation, the Bible says it puffs up. Knowledge gives you power. And a novice gets a revelation, first thing they do is condemn other people that don't have it. And Travis, you have a revelation, but you also have that thorn that keeps you humbled so that you can give it to others without intimidation. And uh, God's going to use you greatly,
0: Phil? Your words mean so much, man. Um, wow, you encourage me as always. But we're out of time. Real quick, where can people find Phil Muncie? Should they go to your website? Should they find you on social yeah, media? I don't have, you know what? I don't,
1: I don't have one. I tell you what. <laughs> go to YouTube and put my name in. There's a bunch of sermons that I have preached from everywhere, from Lakewood to okay. churches of thousands to churches of a couple dozen. And if you like my style or if you think my voice can help you, you go there. And, uh, uh, I'm going to do all that. But, you know, uh, when God called me to pastor pastors, I said, God, what's my agenda. He said, your agenda is theirs. So I spend most of my time just trying to help other people. And wow. Um, if you look me up, you can find stuff that i preached for other people. So, that's, okay. That's well, good.
0: you've done that, Phil, you've done that today, my friend. I love you. Thank you for coming on and speaking to us. It's blessed all of us. Thank you. If you'd like to connect with Phil, Please check out the links that we included for you guys in the show notes. And listen, if Transformational Truths is helpful to you, please do me a favor. Go to Apple iTunes, rate the show, and write us a quick review. This helps us reach more people faster. We want to help restore the joy to your life and leadership.